like to ask you this morning to turn with me to the book of Hebrews again, chapter 11. If you're new with us today, we're in a series called The Journey of Faith. And what we're discovering is that faith, which is a gift from God, is not simply something which we receive at a particular moment in time and say, okay, right, that's it, I believe, and then we don't return to the exercise of that faith on a regular basis. It's just something that, well, that happened over there. No, the scriptures say the righteous shall live by faith, which means that faith is the instrument by which we receive the grace of God, which makes us right with him, but it's also his grace in our life that sustains our journey with him, that walk with him. And to do that, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging believers who are under tremendous pressure to give up on that walk. In fact, to turn around and go back to an old way of life. And he's wanting to remind them that the journey that we're on is not a short journey. It's a long walk. You're gonna get your steps in. And so in chapter 10, he writes to them and he says, you have need of endurance. He says, he says the coming one will come and will not delay. But he said, you need faith and endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. The promise of God comes to us. And then that promise is fulfilled. But between the promise and the fulfillment is a journey. Israel went on such a journey God said, I'm gonna give you a promised land. He brought them by his grace and might and power and signs and wonders out of Egypt. But between the promise and the promised land, there was a wilderness. And so this morning, each of us find ourselves at some point of that journey. Some of us may not have even begun it yet. You may be considering what it means to become a Christian. You may be for this journey many years and with great experiences, you may this morning, like these ancient Christians, be in a place of bewilderment, of pressure and wondering whether or not you shouldn't just give up because what's coming, what's ahead is not something that you know. It appears uncertain and dark. But remember what Corey Ten Boom, that wonderful, gracious Christian lady who survived Buchenwald, the Nazi death camp, who lost her father, lost her sister, lost so many friends. She came through and God saved her and she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The Lord is faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling them and reminding them about the story of how God's people have always had to walk with him, that we are pilgrim people, and that we are making this journey all the way to the heavenly city, and that you and I, to make that journey, live by faith. And so follow along with me in chapter 11, verse 8, where he talks to us about people whose faith is certainly being tested as they walk with God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents, 
with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, that is the age of childbearing, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus, would you strengthen us with your word as we open it to read it. May it read us. May it open our hearts to know your love and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And we thank you for this. Amen. These believers were living in a time of tremendous pressure. One historian writing about this period said the jails were so full of Christians, there was no room left for the criminals. You may think you've had a bad week. These are people whose homes have been confiscated, many of whom have been in prison, whose leaders have been martyred. So they are a suffering people in their walk. It would be understandable, wouldn't it, if under that kind of duress, they had said, you know, it's time for us just to give up. But then the writer of Hebrews points out to them a story about Abraham and Sarah. And he said, here's why you shouldn't give up the faith. Now, preachers in Israel were telling that story for centuries. You can go back 700 years before Jesus and Isaiah Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, talking to God's people Israel when they were going to be in captivity in Babylon, and he says, when you're in Babylon, when you're in captivity, after the temple is destroyed, when you've been a people that have gone into exile and you've lost your home and you've seen everything decimated and you feel like there's no hope left, that's how they felt. By the rivers of Babylon, we wept, they said. He said, when you're there, he said, I want you to remember something. This is Isaiah 51. He says, look to the rock from which you were hewn to the quarry from which you were dug. You got to remember where you came from. Look to Abraham and Sarah who gave birth to you. When they were only one, I then multiplied them. In other words, the promise that God made to Abraham and Sarah was something that was fulfilled by their very existence. They were only one, and now they were millions. And he said, your very existence reminds us that God keeps the promise. So if God kept his promise to Abraham and Sarah, he's going to keep his promise to you. And of course, that was a very important word because the promise that God made to Abraham was not something that was fulfilled quickly. The scriptures say in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham was 75 years old when he started off on the journey. He left a a wealthy, powerful city called Ur of the Chaldees. 
It was a deeply idolatrous city, but it had great military power, great material wealth, high levels of education. And God said, I want you to leave everything you know and everyone you know and begin a journey. They went a thousand miles and they journeyed over to a place they'd never been that they didn't even know was going to be theirs. God said, I'll let you know where you're going when you get there. And rather than having a nice house, they lived in tents like foreigners. And it says that they had their eyes on the prize, eyes on a future, a city that God was building that was greater than the city of Ur of the Chaldees. God's doing something here, so we're gonna believe him, we're gonna trust him. And God brought Abraham out to the night sky because he and Sarah were old and they didn't have any children. She was barren and God said, I'm gonna give you a son and through your line, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And start to count the stars, Abraham. So he starts to count them. One, two, three. Oh, this is silly. Lord, what are you doing? I can't count all these stars. And God said, exactly. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And he said, Lord, I don't know if you've checked the calendar, but I'm 75. And I don't know if you've realized how old Sarah is, but, but she's the same age, and we're past childbearing. What are you talking about? And God said, I want you to go down to the beach, which is something many of us love to do. And he got down there. He said, pick up a fistful of sand, and the grains were slipping through his fingers. And he said, can you count the grains of sand? He said, no. He said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, when God makes a promise like that, you're already 75. You're kind of hoping, well... This will get taken care of in the next couple of weeks, right? I mean, you know, but no, well, it took 25 years. The scriptures say in Genesis 21 that when Abraham was 99 years old, God came back and visited them and said to Abraham and to Sarah, I'm going to come back next year when you're 100, and by then she'll have that baby. <laughs> 99 years old. They'd already waited 24 years and God said, another year, I'm gonna come back and you're gonna have that baby and he's outside the tent. They, God's talking to Abraham outside the tent. Sarah's inside the tent and she's making dinner and she hears God say, when I get back here next year, she's gonna have the baby and Sarah laughed. She didn't say, amen, hallelujah. You know, this is glorious. No, she laughed and then God, it says in Genesis, poked his head into the tent and said, did you laugh? And she goes, oh no, 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 it wasn't me. I wasn't laughing. And God said, oh, no, you laughed. I heard you laugh. I love that about the Bible. Abraham laughed too. But sure enough, a year later, their little baby boy was born, but it was 25 years of walking. That's a long walk. And there were stumbles along the way. Waiting is not something we do well. I love everything about living in beautiful downtown Boca. I love it here. I absolutely love it. I love the weather year round. I like it all. I like the palm trees. I like the people. I like the nice people, the rude people. I like them all. I do. There's only one thing here I really don't like, and it's the traffic lights. It's the red lights. It's the red lights. They are, they are forever. You can sit at a red light. I've seen, I've seen people, uh, I've seen people knitting blankets next to me. I've seen people writing novels next to me. And it just goes on and you're like, oh, could we, no wonder people are like, ah, could we get going here? Man, it's long. So we're not a patient people, are we? You can tell that. 
God came to Abraham and he said, I'm gonna do something with you that's going to 400 years from now find a fulfillment. 400 years, what are we talking about? And then this particular promise, 25 years. Well, I'd love to tell you that everything that happened for Abraham and Sarah over that 25 years was just spectacular, but it wasn't. And here's one of the things you need to know about faith in the Bible. Faith falters at times and recovers. Even those people that are set before us as examples of incredible faith find times in their lives where everything is going wrong and they make bad choices and they wonder where God is. This whole family, in fact, Abraham's family, Isaac is born, then Jacob and Jacob and his sons, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then Jacob's son, Joseph. And there's all kinds of things going on with the wives and the children being born. It's just a, let me put it this way. It's perhaps the most dysfunctional family in history. One day we were sitting there reading the Bible and Tony looked over at me. She was reading Genesis. She just looked up and she went, these people are a mess. (laughs) And they are. But actually, that's part of what encourages us. You see, one of the reasons you can trust the Bible is that rather than bringing us people who never make any mistakes, people who are perfect in every way, we discover in the Bible people just like us about whom God or anybody else might say, these people are a mess. How many of you are glad that God takes messy people and loves them and uses them? That when we make mistakes and we blow it, God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't. And that's part of what we learn in faith because faith falters along the way. The disciples were like this, you know. Jesus was going to a city of Samaria and they said, no, thanks, we don't need you here. And uh, so he turned around and James and John said to Jesus, hey, would you like us to call down fire on these guys? And Jesus is like, oh, you guys. Later, Peter has a revelation of who Jesus is. Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter says, you're the, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And then later in that day, Jesus says, I'm gonna go to the cross in Jerusalem. I'm gonna die and be raised, but I'm gonna go and be crucified. And Peter said, oh no, Lord, that's not a good idea. And then Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. So in the morning, he's saying, you're blessed. And in the afternoon, Jesus says to Peter, you're Satan. That's not a good day for an apostle. (laughs) Satan, what? Later, Peter would even deny knowing Jesus. But Jesus sought Peter out. Abraham and Sarah had their days. If you go for a walk for 25 years, you're gonna have some days. Faith falters. Hagar, Hagar came into the picture. Hagar was a servant, a maid in their household. She had the tent next door. And uh, Sarah, Abram's wife, came to Abram and he said, you know that promise that God gave you about having a child? Yeah. Well, we're like, you know, 15 years into this thing and it's not happening. And, um, but I have an idea. I think, I think God is gonna give you a child, but I, I have an idea about how he's gonna do it. And I, I think what you should do is take Hagar, my, my maid, 
and have a child with her. I think you should just, you know, go with her and then you can have a child with her. And Abraham felt led to do that. That was a bad choice. She had a child. The child's name was Ishmael. And Abraham loved that child. But it caused tremendous disruption and discord. You know, you're always going to end up in trouble when you begin to tell God how he's going to accomplish his promise. Or when we say, Lord, your timetable is the wrong timetable. There are times God does things much, much later than we would prefer. But when we take matters into our own hands and we become engineers of the promise of God, we create incredible disasters. Elizabeth Elliot said, faith begins when we have no answers. What if Sarah had come in that day and said, you know that promise that God gave? I don't see how it's gonna happen, but we need to trust him. I had a wild idea, it was a dumb idea. We're not gonna do that idea. We're gonna trust him. They failed. But God never lets the failure define who we are. The thing that defines who we are is the grace that he gives us in Jesus. And that's how faith grows. It says in Romans chapter four that God spoke to Abraham and it says, beginning in verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Reading to you from Romans 4 now. In the presence of God, whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he would become. Did you hear that? In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become the father of many nations. Considering his own body now as good as dead and the emptiness, the barrenness of Saren's womb, he did not waver in unbelief but grew in faith. He looked at himself. Faith doesn't deny the reality of where we are. It doesn't deny how bad things are. Faith in God is not like Christian science where people deny that they're even sick. You know, that'll be on the tombstone of some people. I told you, I told you I wasn't, you know, not feeling well. So you have this kind of approach. It's not denying, it's not denying reality. It's saying, yeah, that's reality. But there's a greater reality that God is bringing about. He calls the things that don't exist into being. He calls the things that be not as though they are. And the example that he gives of this is Abraham's name. He gives him a new name. When God calls him, he's Abram, which means exalted father. And then God changes his name. Now again, he calls him exalted father. How many children does he have? None. So his name is already kind of a joke. And then God says, I'm gonna give you a new name. And Abraham must have thought, Abram must have thought, thank God, I'm gonna get a new name instead of this joke of a name. I'm gonna call you now Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Oh man, are you kidding me? Father of a multitude when I don't have any children at all? That means every single day when Abraham's out working, Sarah's at the front of the tent, she has to call him home. She yells out at the front of the tent, father of many nations, father of many nations, it's time to come in. What do the neighbors think? 
these people are crazy. Father, they don't have any kids. Why does she, they've lost, they're losing it, they're losing it. They're, they're 99, what are, you gonna, what are you gonna do? They're losing it. But that's what he became. Because faith as it grows, finally receives. Faith receives. You see, God says something about you. He says you're beloved. He says you're righteous. He says you're my child. Even the glories of heaven, when Paul writes about them in Romans, are put in the past tense as though they're already yours. And those whom he justified, he is also glorified, past tense. God speaks about your resurrection from the dead and your perfection in heaven as if it's already there. He calls you holy. He calls you perfect. He calls you beloved. He calls you my child. And you go, yeah. And then you look in the mirror and go, yeah, maybe not. Lord, all these things you say about me don't appear to be right. And Lord, my spouse doesn't think so either. God calls the children of believers holy. And you say, Lord, have you met mine? He calls them holy. God calls the things that are not as though they were. He believed in order that he might become. We all remember the phrase in the scriptures from the man in the gospels who says, Lord, I believe, you finish it. Help my unbelief. Who said that? It was a man struggling over his son's battle with darkness. It wasn't about himself, it was about his child. And there are people here struggling with their children and grandchildren and saying, Lord, your promise says this, but Lord, okay, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because right now it's not looking good. Where are you? But Isaac is born. And do you remember what's, what, what Sarah did when God said, You're gonna, I'm gonna come back next year and you're gonna have a child. She laughed. And when that baby was born, she called him laughter. Isaac, laughter. God turned her barrenness into flourishing. He turned her mourning into dancing. Her, he turned her tears into laughter. She laughed. She had the gift of laughter because God watched over his word to perform it. Yes, there was a moment when unbelief eclipsed faith. Hagar was there, Ishmael was born. It seemed like everything was dark, it took so long. But in the end, faith received the promise. And why is that important for us? Because when Isaac was born, when laughter came to their house, a few years later, God came to Abraham and he said, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to give him back to me. I'm gonna show you a mountain. I want you to go out there and offer him up to me. Can you imagine? Give back to me the fulfillment of the promise I gave you. And they went out there. It's a hill called Mount Moriah. 
And Isaac, Isaac was walking up the hill carrying the wood for the offering. The beloved son, God said to him, take your beloved son, your only son. And he laid the wood on his shoulders and they walked up the hill. And Isaac turned to his dad and he said, dad, I, I, I got the wood. I, I see the fire. Where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. And then God intervened and he said, don't do anything. I know that you've not withheld anything from me. And then he turned to Abraham and he said, so I want you to understand that that's a message for the world. Because I'm the God who, with, who will withhold nothing from those I love. I'm going to give everything. And God sent his son, his Isaac, his only beloved son. And 2,000 years ago, this son of Abraham, this greater Isaac named Jesus, carried wood up a hill outside Jerusalem and he offered himself for us. And no one intervened to rescue him you see, the bad news is that you and I are lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. And we deserve not the love of God, but the judgment of God. But God in his kindness and his mercy will not leave us in that state. And so rather than leaving us in his lostness, he, he sent his son. And in that moment, as he's hanging between heaven and earth on the gallows of the cross, he takes all the sin of, the, of all those who will ever trust in him and he bears it in himself. All the pollution and degradation of the entire cosmos, he centers it in on himself and he pays the price with his own blood so that you and I have no more prices left to pay. And God comes to us, every single one of us, and he says, I've got a new name for you because of what Jesus has done. I've got a new name for you. I'm changing your name. I'm changing your name from sinner to saint. I'm changing your name from lost to found. I'm changing your name from slave to my child. I'm changing your name from poverty stricken to heir of heaven. I'm changing your name. And since that moment, millions upon millions of people have believed on Jesus, and you're among them. And Abraham, when he looks now, counts. One, two, three. Oh, no, no, no. I can't count them all. There's millions. Like the stars, like the grains of sand. You're here today because 3,000 years ago, a man and a woman said, we will trust you. You're here today because 2,000 years ago, the seed of Abraham died and rose and he will come again. And this savior who loves you, even when you stumble, even when your faith is at its lowest ebb, he is the savior who will not extinguish dimly burning wicks. He is not the, the person who will crush you when you are down. He's the one who was crushed down so you could be raised up.
And you are not saved today because you have a faith that cannot be shaken. You are saved today because you have a savior who will never let you go. And so stand and give him glory and let him grow your failing faith so that it receives the promise of God, amen? Let's stand before the Lord and give him glory. Lord Jesus, see our faith, it is not always what we want it to be, but we thank you that you've given us a new name and we pray that you will help us now to see that faith grow. And we long for the day of your return when all that you have promised will surely come to pass. And all God's people said, amen.